You're never gonna let me down. How's everybody doing today? Y'all mind if I mix it up just a little bit today? Okay, good. Jane Groves. <laughs> and David Groves, how are y'all today? Good, good to see you. I'm great. Jane, it'd be better if you come over here with me and just take a walk with me, just, just a stroll down memory lane. Is that okay? Okay, good. Let's, let's stroll together here. You, you have no idea what I'm doing, do you? You don't? Does it make you nervous? A little bit. Make you a little bit nervous? Good, good. You know, at Great Hills Baptist Church, we have uh, some amazing staff, and we've been so blessed to have Jane Groves has served. I'm crying. So, at Great Hills Baptist Church, 25 years. That's pretty, pretty remarkable. So, God bless you. We love you. We got a little something for you. Yes, we do. We have a, a little gift, a card, and just a, just a small way of saying uh, thank you. You've helped in so many ways. So, let me brag on Jane for another minute here. You know, I write a, new, a newsletter article every, every week. Uh, we write it during the week, but it's published on uh, Friday. And let me just say it like this, Jane makes me look really good. I just, I got to say it like that because sometimes I send her some stuff, may not even be legible, but she creates it and polishes it and puts it out. She does about a million other things. And uh, Kathy Jones said one time, Jane can never leave. Is that right? Is that what you said, Kathy? Okay. So you can never leave. You're, you're with us here. All right. God bless you. We love you. Thank, Thank you, Miss Jane. Take care. All right, so if you are uh, worshiping with us today on our online social media platforms, we're so glad that you are doing that, especially you Facebook fellows and ladies. If you'd cl click your share button, I did this, I finally found it. And our Great Hills people, if you have a hard time connecting on Facebook and share, it's because you're on our Wi-Fi. And if you go off Wi-Fi, then you can click it and it's a little bit easier. So. Yeah, if I can do it, anybody can do it. We are worshiping live at Great Hills Baptist Church. Get on the count of three, everybody say amen. You ready? One. No, no, you don't. No, no, no. I know you're excited, but let me, let me count, all right? One, two, three. Amen. It's awesome. We're glad to be here to worship. So glad that you're here live and in person, and it's just a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. We're grateful to God for uh, your presence, and we're praying that the Lord would bless you. We've had people already interceding and praying on your behalf that God would especially bless you as I preach His Word, preach the Bible, uh, verse upon verse, Acts chapter 8. If you have your Bible, we'd go ahead and turn with me. We're going to look at chapter 8, verses 9 through 13, and as I was preparing this message, hey, church family, whenever I get into the fifth and sixth page of the manuscript, that's a really long sermon, all right? This week, I got into the seventh page of the manuscript, so it dawned on me. I can keep you here. I, I appreciate that, I, but did you notice you're in the remnant of the people? <laughs> and so, what, what I decided, I said, okay, so let me, just, let me just kind of take a deep breath and slow down and try to, instead of racing 50, 55 minutes to, so I can make uh, uh, the seventh page of the manuscript, just to kind of slow down, digest it, just kind of immerse ourselves in God's Word and not get in a hurry, because today's message is really a, a different kind of message. It is a message that I would not preach this sermon were it not in the Bible. I could find many other texts that would be more exhilarating and more exciting and more encouraging 
Then I would preach on this guy named Simon, who was a counterfeit Christian who had a false faith. He said, but that's why it's important to preach the Bible, because if you preach the Bible, then you will cover all the topics, all the subjects, all the personalities, everything that we need to live a life that is pleasing to God is contained in the Word of God. And so that's why we're going to preach it today. We're going to go slow through it, just kind of ingest and digest this material. Uh, so if you have your Bible, it's Acts chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 13. It's a biographical sermon. In fact, we'll preach a whole sermon on a guy like Judas Iscariot. People say, well, surely Judas Iscariot was a Christian, but he wasn't. He was close in proximity to the Lord. He was one of the 12, right? He was one of the 12 chosen apostles. But here's how we know Judas is not in heaven today, just like we know Simon is not in heaven today. And here's the, here it is. The proof is always in the lifestyle. The proof is always in the quality of life that we live. Now, are we saved by works? Absolutely, unequivocally not. But if we are genuinely converted and the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in our life, then we will serve the Lord and we will continue on with the Lord come what may. And those two men did not. They had what you would call a counterfeit faith or false faith, and unfortunately, I think there are many, many people in evangelical Christendom today who prayed a prayer, got baptized, and they don't know the Lord. And that's the truth. Now, I'm not so bold as Billy Graham. Billy Graham says he believes that consists of 80% of the people in church. Now, I, I, I hope he's wrong, don't you? I mean, surely Billy Graham, uh, Billy Graham being wrong, but he says there are so many people who prayed a prayer wrote their name down on a registration, even got baptized. But and does that help anybody say, well, you know, so-and-so, uh, I mean, she said she accepted Christ. She doesn't even believe in God anymore. She never was saved. Well, so-and-so, he surely, you know, this guy, even though, you know, he's, he says he's now an atheist now, or he's practicing a lifestyle now that is totally incongruent with the Bible, but, but he is saved, right? Because he did pray a prayer. No, no, he's not. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, the Bible is a whole lot more difficult and a lot more strong than, than I could ever be. And it says in 1 John that those who continually, habitually, ongoingly live in sin are not born of God. And that just makes sense. Because if you're born of God, the Holy Spirit of God is living within you. Watch, watch this analogy the Lord gave me on my new shirt. Y'all like my new shirt? Thank you. I like you. I thank you. So we're on the path. And this is us. And this is the path we are on. Now, that does not mean that there will be times that us as Christians that we'll deviate from the path or we will have difficulty and sin and we do things that are displeasing to God. Y'all with me? And we kind of get off the path, but watch this. We always get back on the path. You know, you see that? So the person over here, there is no path. And so when they just fall off, it, it was they never were on the path in the first place. That's Simon. Listen, Simon believes, Simon gets baptized. Surely Simon is a Christian, but he's not. Because we'll demonstrate it with you in this passage of Scripture and especially next week as we go. Okay, so this is a history, biographical sermon, if you will. Now, this is my favorite genre of preaching because I love biography. I love history. I love studying the lives of men and women, especially men and women of faith, because it helps me so much. I, I learn so much from history. Last night about 11 o'clock, I finally finished this book. 
And I say finally finished. It didn't take me very long. It is such a fascinating book. And the title is Finding Chica. Finding Chica. You say, now that's a strange title for a book. It's, it's going to be a New York Times bestseller, no doubt. Mitch Albom, he's a fantastic sports writer, but he's also a great storyteller. And he tells the story of Chica, this Haitian orphan girl that they, they take her to the only MRI in Haiti and they do this study of her brain and they're like, whoa, there's nobody in this country that can help this young girl because she has such an aggressive form of brain cancer. Diagnosed at about three or four years of age, she lives till, man, man, don't you wish they all end in happily ever after? But Mitch Alban at the beginning of the book says, I got bad news for you. She dies at age seven. I'm like, why? Don't tell me that. Don't say that. And then last night I started Ulysses S. Grant's biography. Y'all, I'm telling you, it weighs more than I do. This book literally weighs as much as I do. It's this thick. It's the biggest book I think I've ever read in my life. And so by 11.30, I was, uh, I was really getting into it, but I had to close it up because I, I, it's time to go to bed. But anyhow, I'm reading it, and the author, Ron Chernow, who wrote Titan, Rockefeller's biography, who also wrote Alexander Hamilton, which the whole, <laughs> somebody caught that. Anyhow, Alexander Hamilton, the whole Broadway show is built on Ron Chernow's biography, Alexander Hamilton. And Chernow begins at the end of Ulysses Grant's life. He goes, yes, Grant dies in his 60s. He has a tumor the size of a baseball, and yet he finishes his memoirs. And so as I'm, I'm looking at this, and, I'm, and I come across this guy, this biography of Simon, and the good Dr. Luke, the first-rate historian, he goes, ahead, he goes ahead and tells us up front what will happen to this person because he has this false, false faith. Oh, and another story. Let me, let me tell you one more. Does February the 20th, 1862 mean anything to anybody? Well, let me give you a little pop test. What is going on in 1861 to 1865? Some of you students, surely. Ah, yes, I see you nodding, yes. That's the Civil War. Who's the president during those years? Abraham Lincoln. Now, I've preached enough about Abraham Lincoln at Great Hills to know many of you, it's kind of like Trump. You either hate him or you don't like him. And that's the kind of the way it is with, with Abraham Lincoln. You either like him or you do not uh, like him. I happen to like, uh, I like them both. And I, I don't agree with everything, with anybody. I tell you, the only person I agree with completely is Jesus Christ. That's him, him alone. Abraham Lincoln, February the 20th, 1862, his 12-year-old son, William, dies. If the Civil War is not hard enough, can you imagine having a 12-year-old die? And Lincoln writes these words about his son. He says, oh, my poor boy, you were too good for this earth. But I'm glad today because I know, and I got this quote right out of the biography. I'm glad today because I know that you, William, though you're no longer here on this earth, I know without a doubt you are in heaven and you are far better off, my boy, in heaven than you are here on this earth. But Mary Lincoln Todd, Mary Todd Lincoln, if you know about his life and about his wife, she struggled, she battled that noonday demon of depression. And so Lincoln, like Grant, like Chica, all three of those people had something in common that Simon did not. They stayed 
true to the end. And that's the litmus test. That really is the test if whether you're genuinely a Christian, a follower of Christ or not, the proof is in he who endures to the end is saved. That's what the scripture says. So how do we know we're on the path? How do we know that we are genuinely born again? Not, not that we're perfect, not that we're gonna fall off the map sometimes, not that we're gonna go, oh my word, I did something really stupid, I should have never done that. It's not that we are exempt from that. No, that happens to all of us, but listen to me, listen to me carefully, we always get back on path. We get back on the track. The person who says, I have no desire to get back on the path, they never were on the path in the first place. So how do you know that? Scripture teaches us this. It doesn't matter whether we had a decision, but the, did the Holy Spirit really come into us? That is, and we know He did if we desire Him, if we love Him, if we live for Him. He said, okay, tell me more about this Simon guy. Okay, thank you for asking. Let, let me tell you more about him. It's Acts chapter 8. We'll read verses 9 through 13. Here we go. Here we go. But conjunction, junction, come on. However, here's an interjection word. Here is a word that many people are being saved. Evil spirits are flying out of people. There's great joy in the city. And verse 9 says, oh, but, however, I got some bad news for you. That should give us a clue because if Simon is genuine, it wouldn't begin with but. It would begin with and. And let me tell you about Simon. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced majuo is the Greek word, majuo. It's where we get the English word magic. He practiced magic in that city of Samaria, and he, church family, watch this. Three times the Greek word existemi is going to be used. It's translated astonished two times. It's translated amazed one time. And here's what you, you're going to be introduced to a man who is infatuated with astonishment. He is mesmerized by the supernatural. And it's just one more fix. It's just one more cool, what's on the horizon next for me? He astonished the people of Samaria, and he claimed, now this is really a red flag, is it not? That he was someone great to whom they, all the Samaritans, they gave heed from the micros to the macros, says the Greek, from the micro to the least, to the greatest, to the large. And they said, watch this now, this man is God. That's what they said. And he didn't correct them. <laughs> this man is the great dunamis of God. This man is God. And they heeded him because he astonished existemi. Y'all with me? Second time, he astonished them with his majuo, with his magic, with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, when the Samaritans believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon believed. You with me? Simon believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. 
And he was, he has not changed. He has not changed. He is still existemi. He is still infatuated, amazed, mesmerized, and so fascinated with the supernatural, he saw the miracles and the signs which were done. Now, I'm going to stop here. Next week, we're going to pick up, and you'll see specifically where Peter rebukes him and his false faith. The early church, they go on for centuries, the first three centuries, and each one of them, especially Irenaeus. Irenaeus says that Simon, the magician, was the creator of Gnosticism. Come on. Simon was the originator of Gnosticism. If you've studied your New Testament, you studied especially the epistles of John, you've been introduced to this heresy called Gnosticism, which says Marcion was the first proponent really of it that I came across, but the early church fathers say, no, you got to predate Marcion in AD 90. Go back to this guy, Simon. Gnosticism says there's a secret gnosis. Y'all with me? I know it's kind of deep. I know there's a lot of history and there's a lot of Greek and there's a lot of background. I'm just having fun. I don't know if anybody else is, Lord, but I'm having a good time and I'm going to be faithful to preach your word. All right. So anyhow, Gnosticism, the gnosis means there's a secret knowledge reserved for the few. And that sounds just like Simon. He's got this inside track. He's got this cool vibe of Christianity. And Gnosticism says the God of the Old Testament was mean. He was a mean God. The God of the New Testament is in Jesus. He is a good God. So we've got this dualism going on. And not only is the God of the Old Testament mean and the God of the New Testament good, we have this do docetism which says the body is evil. Anything of the flesh is evil. Everything of the spirit is so good. Therefore, Jesus Christ did not have a physical body. Y'all with me? You say, wait a minute, that's heresy. Exactly. Marcion, uh, I think it's Sibelius, and I could mention other names if I'd studied them, but anyhow, this guy, Simon, was the creator of this false faith called Gnosticism. Trust me, you can't be a true follower of Jesus Christ and say that Jesus Christ never existed in the flesh. So it's called docetism. The Greek word dokeo means appearance. He only appeared to have a physical body because everything of the body of the physical is evil. Does that sound like classical uh, philosophical dualism, that Greek dualism, which that which of the body is evil, that which is of the spirit is good? He is a heretic. He is a pseudo-convert. He has this counterfeit Christianity, and the Bible reveals it to us. I said earlier, I love preaching the Bible. I love sharing difficult texts like this, hard subjects like this, because it's important. Because we're going to look, first of all, at this whole thing about sorcery. And I want to share a few words about sorcery, about divination, about necromancy, about black magic, Ouija boards, tarot cards, psychic readers, the whole thing. God says, leave it alone. That is not of God. That is of the evil one. And we, as the people of God, we're, we're not mesmerized and fatuated. We're not wooed and romanced by that. I'm telling you, why would we want the counterfeit when we got the real thing, Jesus the Christ? So we leave that stuff alone. Sorcery, magic. I mean, verse 9 begins, but here he is. 
He's going to, this interjection about Simon the magic maker, the occult, the word, one, one writer says, when you see this word majuo, it means magic, occult, science, math, divination, astrology, all rolled into one. And God strictly, he strictly prohibits this. So teenagers, students, help me now. I know it's not very popular because, I mean, you know, I mean, everybody wants to dabble in, check it out. I'm going to tell you something. Leave it alone. It's not of God. I'm going to give you some scriptures, and it'll take me just a few minutes. And um, say, so, um, each scripture, God showed me this in my study. I just, I just realized this. I think it was Friday. Each scripture I'm about to share with you, I want you to notice that God strictly prohibits this magic world, this whole concept of spirits and divination and talking to the dead, necromancy, the Ouija board, the cards, the psychic readings. I went to a psychic reader one time. Did y'all know that? I did. She took one look at me and said, you're a pastor, aren't you? I went, "Woo, man, good night. And I said, uh, yes, I am. And the reason I'm here is because the Holy Spirit of God told me to stop and share the gospel with you. And she already knew why I was there. That's kind of freaky. But anyhow, that, that's my experience with the psychic reader. Hey, guys, there's something to this. How'd she know? How'd she know? That's right. The demonic, evil, Satan, ghost. You believe in ghosts? Hey, let me tell you something. I'm only interested in one ghost, the Holy Ghost, all right? And I'm not interested in spirits except one spirit, the Holy Spirit, though I know those things exist. Come on now. CBS has a whole new sitcom. Not sitcom. That makes it sound funny. It ain't funny. The whole show is called, anybody? Evil. The whole show is called Evil. With the demonic, the, the last caption I saw, and I'm trying to watch one of my hondo SWAT, man, I like that guy. I'm sorry, I, 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 I digress. And they show this picture of this woman who's possessed and her baby's possessed of evil. I'm like, God, help us. But we're fascinated with that. We're interested in that. I'm here to tell you, we don't need to be interested in that because we have God. If we really have God, we have enough. We have enough of the supernatural. We have Him. All right, so I'm going to read. I'm going to read these verses. God says, leave it alone, leave it alone, leave it alone, and contrast it with the holiness of God. Oh, watch this. Oh, watch this, watch this. The reason we're so fascinated with this, because we don't know nothing of the holiness of God. Juan said, would you say that again? And I will. Thank you, Juan. I love one. He's in our discipleship class on Wednesday nights, and I love it. He'll say, Pastor, what in the world does that mean? And I like that, by the way. So I'm going to tell you again, the more we're fascinated and mesmerized with this kind of magic and divination and these kind of things is because we don't know the holiness of God. And I want to demonstrate it to you from the Word of God, all right? Now watch, this is in the Old Testament, but I'll go to the New Testament just in case that concerns you, Okay. And the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them, I will set my face, God says, against that person, and I will cut him off from his people. Consecrate yourselves. Therefore, and be, what's that word, church? It says, holy, for I am the Lord your God. That's Leviticus 26 and 7, exhibit B. Watch this one. 
There shall not be found among you anybody who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. Now, that's Molech. That is the god of the Ammonites, where they actually had human sacrifice. And God said, leave that alone. That is an abomination. Or anybody who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer or one who conjures spells or a medium, is this pretty exhaustive or what? Or a spiritist or anybody who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to God. This is wrong. We are not to do this. We are to leave that dark world alone. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out before you. Here it comes. You be blameless. Do y'all see how this is juxtaposed with the holiness of God? You have the unholiness of witchcraft juxtaposed over against the holiness of God. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you will dispossess, they listen to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. Okay? All right, let me give you one more. Ooh, this is, gets interesting. Idolatry, sorcery. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murderers. What are we talking about, y'all? We're in Galatians 5, the works of the what? Of the flesh. Drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you before, and I also told you in time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Watch this. Watch this. I didn't put it on the screen, but what? Watch me, watch me, watch this, watch this. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Each one of those passages. On the one hand, you have that which is cloaked in, in evil and witchcraft, and you compare that to that which is cloaked in the Word of God, in holiness, in righteousness, and sanctification. And God just showed me that the other day. I'd already studied and prepared my sermon. And aren't you glad I shared that with you? Yes, you're welcome. Okay, here we go. A few years ago, I was in Chad, Africa. It's one of the darkest places on the planet. 99.9% .9 Islam, which is a very dark religion. While I was there, I was there to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, well, you shouldn't do that, Brother Dan. That's a good way to not make it back to the good old USA. Well, when God calls you, you go to hard places knowing that the Spirit of God is with you and the safest place you can be is in the will of God, even if that costs you your life. So I'm there, and I'm with our missionary. And he goes, I want you to go talk to the chief, to the chief of the whole tribe. First of all, he introduced me to the minister of education for the whole country. And for an hour, this guy tries to convert me to Islam as hard as I'm trying to convert him to Jesus. It, there were fireworks going on as the minister of education and I are having this debate, and the missionaries over there, he didn't warn me. He just sitting over there smiling, just thinking, this is so fun. You know, this is kind of like, what? He, okay, now we're done with that. I want you to go talk to the chief. I said, the chief? He said, yeah, talk to the chief about Jesus. He's going to have all the tribal leaders. We're going to be in this tent. It's like 185 degrees, all right? And we're sitting there, and the missionary goes, go ahead. What if you were me? What would you do? 
Some of y'all look at me like, dude, I'm so glad I'm not. I can't even relate to that. What year? You're freaking me out. But I, he said, go. Why'd you come from America? Why do you want to talk to me? Why do you want to talk to my people? I said, because there's a God who loves you. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He sent his son, his one and only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for your sins. He's over there. He's listening. I'm the translators translating. If you put your faith in him and him alone, there's salvation in no other name. No other person can save you but God through his son Jesus by the power of his spirit. And if you will repent and turn from your false gods, turn from your idols, turn from your other religion, and put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And then there was talk. And I was like, is this where I die? You know, is this where they escort me right on out? And I, I just, I didn't know what was going to happen. I just stood there. I sat there. We're all sitting in, this, in a circle. And then the chief turned to the missionary and says, okay, I want Jesus, and so do they. All of them. All of them do. I was like, oh, well, I was like, no, oh, oh no. And, and the missionary said, shh, don't say anything. And I was like, what kind of messed my theology up, right? Because I'm like, all oh, y'all need to, it has to be your decision. The chief said, nope. I want Jesus, and all of them do as well. And I was like, man, that's so great. I walked out, and there she was. I got chill bumps. She was waiting on me. And she looked at me, and I thought, oh, my word, this woman is fierce. I literally was fearful for my life. And later I said, who, what? They said, oh, she is the witch doctor. I said, you didn't have to tell me that. I knew something. She go, and she doesn't like you. In fact, she does not like you being here at all. And I said, yes, let's get in the car and leave. I've, I've seen enough of her. And we left. Let me tell you something, guys. Evil is real. There is a powerful spirit of darkness that hates everything of the spirit of life. And so we're talking about sorcery and Simon. He's astonishing the people. Verse 10 says, from the micros to the megale, he's impressing them from the least to the greatest. They're listening to him. They're no doubt impressed with what Simon has to say in this area of black magic. And then verse 11, again, the Bible says, they heeded him. Now here he is. He's mesmerizing them. And it says they were astonished as in the perfect tense. If you're looking at verse 11, Acts chapter 8, verse 11 is in the perfect tense. And they heeded him because he kept on astonishing them, all right? And his sorceries for a very long a time. And that's, that's how he got a crowd. That's how he got a crowd. Can I ask you a question? Why are you here today? It's a rhetorical question, one. So it's a rhetorical question. So just, just think about this. Why are you here today? Are you here to be mesmerized? Are you here to be entertained? Are you here because, you know, it may, you may feel good? Are you here because maybe, uh, maybe, maybe there's some kind of show? Or are you here? Because you passionately love Jesus. Is Jesus show enough? And this is my fear 
my friends, is my greatest fear for evangelical Christendom in America. We want the show. We want to be entertained. We want our pastors to drive out in fancy cars and preach a good message, not too hard, not too sweet, just right. And we want to walk out feeling a whole lot better than what we're feeling right now. All you're giving us is Bible and holiness and sanctification. How does that make me feel? I don't, I don't rightly care. What I'm more concerned about is that you know God. And when you die, you go to heaven and live with Jesus Christ. Man, that's why I am here. Not for a show. I mean, not to be entertained, but to preach the Word of God because Jesus, you are showing up. And you're the King and we love you. And there's nothing wrong with going to church and, and liking what you hear and, 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 you know, and saying, well, I like that song. Do y'all like the song? We sang everything a minute ago. We sang it all. We had the youngest guy singing the oldest song, and we had Kristen, who I'm going to sing like that in heaven one day. She's singing the new song. So you got all the songs. You got all the genre. And that's not why we are here. We're here for the Word of God. We're here for Jesus the Christ. We're here to worship Him and Him alone. Not to be infatuated. Well, I'll come back if you sing that old song one more time. I might just come back. Watch this. If you sing that song again, I'm never coming back. Terry, we can't win. But if we preach the Word of God, we win. We win. This is, this is a win enough. I don't know what y'all, but I'm out of breath. Hold on. I made a lot of you mad. I know it. Let me breathe. Made one happy. I'm glad. All right, this is just the first part of my sermon. We're only on page, the top of page three. So if I go to seven, then, then we will be in trouble. I, I mean, we will be here. The Super Bowl, come on, Jeffrey. We'll just walk out there and watch it with you and the, and the students, all right? Number two is self. Is self. And this is verses nine and 10. We're in Acts chapter eight. We're looking at Simon, the magician. So, 9 and 10, Simon claims to be somebody great. That is not a good sign, by the way. This poison of pride had paralyzed his spirit. The Bible says in Proverbs 6, 16 and 17, God hates pride. He hates pride. And Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Simon is setting himself up for a catastrophic fall. Verse 10, the people claimed he's great. He's the great dunamis of God. One writer says that title shows that Simon claimed, watch this, Great Hills, watch this, that Simon claimed deity for himself. That Simon viewed himself as God betrays the most heretical view of self imaginable, end of quote. Now, the early church fathers, they saw Simon for who he was. He was a pseudo-convert, a counterfeit to the Christian faith. Again, Irenaeus says he is the father of Gnosticism. He challenged Peter. He challenged the preaching of Paul. 
He said, this same Simon says later in life, bury me alive, and in three days I'll rise from the dead, just like Jesus. Listen, you can't say stuff like that and be saved. You cannot continue to say, I am God's gift to humanity and, and challenge Peter, challenge Paul, challenge the Word of God. And you said, but he prayed a prayer. He prayed a prayer and he got baptized. So what? Even the demons believe. It takes more than a, than a oh, I, I believe. I asked Jesus to come in my heart. Amen. Okay, let's go. What, what's up next? What's happening now? No, 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 no. Wait a minute. I asked Jesus in my heart, Son of God, I repent of my sins, born again by you. Holy Spirit, come. Boom. God changes you. He genuinely changes you. Can I go back to this simple analogy? Not that we will never deviate. We'll deviate, but at least we'll come back. Over here, there is nothing but a false pseudo-faith. Here's a man possessed with the devil and the owner of a gargantuan ego. He's filled with pride to the point that he believes his own press that he is God. Instead of genuinely repenting, stay with me, church. Instead of genuinely repenting and being born again, he's, he's infatuated and impressed and astonished by the supernatural. Watch this. Watch this. He does not want Jesus but he, wa he wants what comes with Jesus. He wants what Philip's got. When Philip in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit is casting out demons and he's raising people up and he's healing people as he is anointed by the Spirit of God, Simon's like, Jesus, okay, is that, hey, what, watch, does this help you? Does, 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 what am I about to say? Does this help you? Because some of you are still going, I still think he's probably a Christian. He's not. Here's what he wanted. Here's, here's what happened. Do I ask Jesus to come in heart? Okay, yeah, ask you, amen, Jesus, come on, okay, now give me that, give me that, come on now. Does that help? Ask Jesus in my heart, yeah, I pray for Jesus, yeah, I'm saving him, I'm baptized. Okay, now give me, give, me, give, me, give me something, give me something. I think our churches are full of people like that. And they out themselves through their behavior that they never were genuinely saved. Because if you're genuinely saved, it does not matter. 90 plus percent of the things we argue and fuss about does not matter, it is inconsequential. Do you know the Lord? Do you have a relationship with, with God and you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Then come on, Terry, do rap music for heaven's sake. I don't care. Well, whoo, I don't like it, but it doesn't matter. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about Christ. And it's about bringing people into the kingdom of God. It's about us dying to ourselves and us being so infatuated with this and that and success and more and more and more. God, crucify that so that only Jesus Christ remains. Now, I want to tell you something. When, when that happens, when that happens, there is such a freedom, there is such a joy, and there is such a trivialities be gone. It doesn't matter about those things. What matters is the main thing and that is Christ. Some of you look at me like, well, Brother Dan, are you in a bad mood because you're sounding like, you know, no, I'm, I'm actually doing really, really good. Are you still taking your Sabbath? I'm concerned about you, brother. You don't look like you slept much last night. I sleep like a baby. I rode my bike. I took my wife out for breakfast. I read books. I sleep. Some of y'all are wishing I wouldn't do that because I get too fired up on something. I'm telling 
God has really done a work in my life. I finally see the importance of taking a day off. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Okay. Thank you for letting me share that with you. Okay, number three is salvation. If you have your outline, let's go ahead and write the word salvation in point three. I'm going to share just a little bit with you, and then we're going to have our invitation and be dismissed. Verses 12 and 13, on the surface, it appears that Simon has accepted Christ. But if you keep reading, you'll realize when Peter thoroughly rebukes him and calls him anything but a Christian. So what happened to him? Okay, here, I'm going to close with this. So this is the most powerful thing I'm going to say all day. In fact, Jesus said that. Did y'all know that? Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, if you do not understand what I'm about to tell you, you can't understand anything. You say, well, what was it? It's called the parable of the sower. Anybody remember that parable? And it went something like this. A farmer went out and had his seed. And his seed, he took it and he threw it on four different types of soil. And the first seed he thrown on, Simon. Simon. It just landed and it just, I mean, the birds came and quickly and it produced no harvest. The second seed did a little better. Maybe Simon. Pops up real quick and then it just wilts. The third seed falls on this ground. Oh, but this ground, wow. I mean, it goes in, it pops up, but the riches of the world and the concerns of this world, and then it wilts. But the fourth soil, Jesus said, now this is genuine salvation. Because you see, this seed, it went down deep, and it produced a harvest. Y'all with me? It produced a harvest of 30, 60, 100 fold. And so Jesus said, if you don't understand what I just told you, you will not understand what else I have to tell to you. Look it up. It's called Matthew chapter, excuse me, Mark chapter 4. It's the parable of the sower. It helps me so much. Helps me understand that the key for me as a man of God, as a follower of Christ, is sow the seed, and God knows the soil, and God knows the hearts, he knows what's going to happen. I don't. I just talk to everybody. How about that for Calvinism? Is that okay? I just talk to everybody. What about the elect? What if the elect gets saved? God will, God will forgive me, okay? So I'm just going to talk to everybody and, and just throw out the gospel seed. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, it is by their fruit that you will know them. For not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Are you with me? but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. But depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. You who practice those things that the Bible clearly forbids. But, but, but wait a minute, Lord, I, I cast out demons in your name. God, I, I walked down the aisle of a Baptist church. God, I got baptized. God, I mean, remember all these great things I, I did? And Jesus says, I don't even know you. Because here's the thing. The seed did not fall on good soil. It fell on this hard ground, this, this thorny soil. It pops up for a little while. But the, the authenticity, the genuineness is we stay with the Lord. I am telling you the gospel. I am telling you the truth. If, if you 
if you're like, well, I'm, I'm really don't, I don't really, I don't really know about, about my salvation. Am I, am I really a Christian? Well, here, here's what I'd say to that. I'd say forget, forget doubting, forget worry, and forget fear, and just say, God, save me. I mean, really save me, change me so that I live for you and I'll walk with you. Now, that's, that's one thing. Uh, Cherie, is that okay? That happened to you. She was married to a pastor, Daniel, and she got saved, gave her heart to the Lord. How about this one? The guy that's been talking and shouting and screaming and having a fit up here, he got saved after having surrendered to the ministry. The key is... The Holy Spirit of God coming within you. Now watch this. And my, my evangelism professor, Roy Fish, said, you are going to be shocked and amazed at how many people are in heaven because it only takes genuine faith, genuine repentance. Because if you do that, then God comes in your heart. He saves you. You are on your road to heaven. Are you going to mess up? Go ahead and say it. Yes, I am. But here's the thing, Sean. Here's the thing, Sean. I don't know about you, but when I mess up and I do... God convicts me to the core. And I'm like, ooh, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. I got to get back in fellowship with God. Here's the person I'm concerned about. I don't feel bad about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm forgiven. I'm going to live the way I want to live. I'm forgiven. I'm washed in the blood. Amen. That's what we say, my brother. I'm okay. I'm going to live the life I want to live because that makes me happy. I don't care what God says. I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to do what I want to do because I'm a Christian and I'm going to heaven and I'm going to live like the devil if I want to. Then you are going to hell. Hell is where you're going to spend your eternity. But if you are someone who says, Lord, I blew it. I messed up. I'm so sorry. Oh, mercy. I shouldn't have drank that much. That is, what, that is not cool, Lord. You told me don't be drunk with that, and I did that. Lord, please forgive. By the way, I'm not speaking from experience. It's all hypothetical. I'm giving you some examples. So, Lord, I'm over here, and I cheated on my income tax, and, I'm, and, and, and I just embezzled like a million dollars over here. And, and you come back, and you say, God, that was wrong. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. Ding, 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 ding. That's genuine. That's a relationship with the Lord. The people I'm the most concerned about, well, I'm a Christian, but it doesn't really matter how I live. But it does matter. It matters deeply. So let's, uh, oh, it's 12.02. Thank you, Lord. Aren't y'all glad we didn't go to page seven? I mean, that could be, that could be dangerous, you know, because we've got more important things to do, right? We've got more important things to do. All right, so let's, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, our band, our, our worship team is going to come, and we're going to have our invitation. Oh, please, don't leave. No, no, don't leave. I mean, I can't see you if you are because my head's bowed, my eyes are closed, but here, here's the thing. If you're here today and you, you know within your heart of hearts you do not know God, the Spirit of God does not bear witness with your spirit. Can I implore you, could I, could I even beg you to be saved today? Give your life to Christ. No, I'm, t I'm, I'm really serious. Say, Lord, save me my wicked, wicked heart. God, I am a deacon. I am a teacher. I am a somebody. But God, my heart is far from you. Because there's never been a time when I genuinely gave you my heart and my life. So today, here it is. Church, all you got to do is this. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? He is the boss. 
confess with your mouth Jesus is the Lord, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In that moment you are saved. Nothing can take that salvation from you. And everybody will know that you're saved because you walk with God. Would you receive him today? No, today. Some of you are here <laughs> and you're so miserable. And that's so good. You're, you, love, you, you loved the Lord. There was a time when you walked with God, you've drifted from God, and you are miserable. And you know why you're miserable? It's because you're saved. <laughs> and you're like, I just need to come back. God is convicting me. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. And, and God, the Holy Spirit, is saying, come. Let me renew your heart. Let me refresh you today. You, you know who you are. I am just a humble preacher of the Scriptures. I have no claim to anything. I am just a messenger of Christ to teach the Word of God. We're not here to impress you. We're not here to win you over for anything. We are here, and I'm speaking for myself and our staff and for the leadership of this church. We are here to help you know God, walk with God, enjoy an abundant life with God, and spend forever with God. God, would you crown us with your favor, Lord, and your blessing? Lord, we want to be faithful to you. We want to be obedient to you. Lord, we want to see people saved today. So many people I met with today have prayed, Lord, if there's one person in this room who does not know you, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, we pray they'd be saved. God, we pray that the waters of baptism would be stirred again and we would see people identifying dead with Christ, raised to walk in a new life. Oh, God, do it. Lord, I can't do it. Lord, I have no power. I have nothing. I have nothing, Lord, but you. And so I'm praying, Jesus, that your will would be done. God, you would save people today. Lord, save that lady. Save that man who cannot for the life of them figure out why they're so mean or why they do what they do. Show them, God, it is because they are who they are and they need you. They need the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, come. Come, oh God. Save. Do what only you can do. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to sing a song of invitation. And as you stand to your feet and as we get ready to sing, I, I know this is pretty, pretty heavy, right? If you're here today and you'd say, well, I, I, I'm ready. I, I need to come clean. I need to come to Jesus. But coming forward, all these people, it freaks me out. The lights, the cameras, the live stream, all that stuff. So wh why don't you do this? Why don't you just slip out the back? And as you go to the camera stand, you see the camera stand right there? That's the camera stand, the big camera stand. The sound man, Chris. Wave at me, Chris. There's Chris. He's only like 6'8". I mean, you can't miss him. There he is. Right behind Chris, we're going to have some pastors and some deacons and some ladies and some people who, are, who will meet you there. And they'll just sit down with you. They'll take you to the great hall, and they'll just, the first thing they'll do is say, tell me your story. Or maybe you want to come up to the front. You come on. Tell us your story. If you don't have a story, we want to help you get a, get a story. So Terry, why don't you lead us as we have our invitation?